The Master of Arts in Spirituality at Oblate School of Theology immerses students in the deep historical and contemporary wellsprings of the Christian spiritual and mystical tradition. Courses may be taken full-time or part-time, and face-to-face or online. Learn more at ost.edu ma-spirituality. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Pope Francis celebrated Mass in St. Peter's Square on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. This week, crowds gathered in St. Peter's Square for the Vatican's first public Palm Sunday Mass in two years. From the start of the ceremony, the Pope's knee problems would limit his involvement. During his customary Sunday Angelus address, the Holy Father Pope Francis once again made a passionate appeal for an end to war. He urged belligerent nations to lay down their weapons for an Easter truce. We'll take a look at what Pope Francis said and how his health seemed at the liturgy, before looking ahead to the rest of Holy Week. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from a beautiful sunny day in Rome, Colleen. Sounds wonderful. I wish I were there. Um, Jerry, you got a bit of good news recently that Elizabeth is coming home for Easter, right? Yes, she should arrive on Holy Thursday evening, all going well. She's going to get a break from the war after 50 days. Good. Pope Francis celebrated Palm Sunday Mass on April 10th, on Sunday this week, and he has a really busy week ahead. Now, we know that the Pope usually uses his Holy Week messages and ceremonies to draw attention to different struggles that people around the world are facing. In the past, we've seen him visit prisons on Holy Thursday to wash inmates' feet, for example. And this year, we're expecting that the Pope will address the war in Ukraine throughout Holy Week. And he already began in that vein on Palm Sunday, calling for an Easter truce after giving a homily on forgiveness. Jerry, what stood out to you from the Pope's words this weekend? Well, I thought the homily was beautiful, and I hope our listeners will uh, read it. I think it's a real reflection on, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And then he focused a lot, not just on the forgiveness, but also on kind of the excuse for what they've done, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. And I was particularly struck when he said, when we resort to violence, we show that we no longer know anything about God, Mm -hmm. who is our Father, or even about others who are our brothers and sisters. I found that was a very powerful line. Yeah. And then he followed up, of course, with the call for uh, an Easter truce. He called it a Paschal truce. And of course, Catholic world celebrate Easter on April 17, mm-hmm. and the Orthodox world celebrate Easter on April 24th. Mm-hmm. So the Paschal Truce could actually extend through this period, mm. and I understand while the, there would be a willingness from the Ukrainian side to do it, the foreign minister of Russia yesterday seemed to throw a bucket of cold water Mm-hmm. on the project when he said there will be no stopping the fighting while talks go ahead. I want to ask you about this 
kind of bucket of cold water, as you said, that the Russian foreign minister threw on this idea of a truce. I interviewed the former U.S. ambassador to the Holy See, Ken Hackett, last week, and he was saying that he doesn't really think that the Pope is getting anywhere in his calls for peace with Russia or with Patriarch Kirill. That was before there was a story published by Reuters on April 11th saying that the Pope may be going to Jerusalem to have a meeting with Patriarch Kirill in June. I don't know. There's different ways of reading the situation. When I interviewed Ken Hackett last week, he said that not getting anywhere with Kirill frees the Pope to go to Ukraine and deliver a powerful message of peace without worrying about seeming like he's, you know, closing down communication with Russia because it's already closed. But other people like Robert Mickens in La Croix this week said that there isn't a role for the Pope to play in this, that he's just pushing too hard. He's not going to get anywhere. And and so it's naive to think that the Pope can make a difference. I wonder where you stand on that. Do you, do you think he can make a difference here? Well, the Pope is addressing different audiences. Mm-hmm. He's first of all looking to the people who are suffering. And his words are certainly, from what I understand, are reaching some of the people who are suffering, perhaps not all, but some of them. President Zelensky himself expressed thanks to the Pope on his Twitter Mm -hmm. for the support he's giving to the people, for the encouragement. The people of Russia won't know what this Pope is saying. The people of Russia, the leadership will probably very well know what he's saying and may not like what he's saying, even if he doesn't name them. Because I remember on the plane when I asked him, you know, what's your message to President Putin? He didn't mention Putin or he said, but he said, my message is the same to all the leaders. And the message is very clear. Stop the war. Stop the fighting. Negotiate for peace. There are none so deaf as those who do not want to hear. And it seems to me we're in that kind of moment in terms of uh, President Putin who wants to push for a victory before he's ready to sit and really seriously talk. Yeah, I think what you said about there being different audiences is really helpful for understanding this, because even if the Pope's call falls on deaf ears in Russia, one thing that Ambassador Hackett mentioned is that the Pope still has enormous public relations cachet in a global audience and with world leaders. And so, you know, if the Pope is out there calling for peace, that gets the rest of the world thinking, yes, it's worth working for peace. We should be listening to the Pope. He can deliver this message of peace in a way that's really credible to a wider audience. Yes, but I would also say, Colleen, there's one thing very important. The Pope is speaking as a spiritual leader, Mm -hmm. as a man of faith, and he's calling people, first of all, his own people, Catholics, believers, Christians, to pray. And as he made clear in his homily last Sunday, you know, prayer can move mountains. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be hearing a lot, lot more of this throughout Holy Week. Before we talk about the rest of Holy Week, though, I, I want to go back to Palm Sunday, because last week on the podcast, we talked about how the Pope had had some difficulty getting around, especially during the visit to Malta that you went on with him. And he also revealed that three weeks ago, he hadn't been able to walk at all. So I wanted to ask you about the, the physical element of this. How did he look on Sunday? He looked well on Sunday. He arrived at the altar in a car. Okay, so he didn't walk up. He didn't walk up. And so I remember I said last week, I said they have to tailor the events, the ceremonies and the travels to the actual physical condition of the Pope. Remember, this was the first 
public audience in two years in St. Peter's Square. Right. You had 64, 65,000 people, according to the uh, Italian Gendarmeria. And it, it was the first major event. And he went around and he was sitting on the Pope Mobile for a while, for part of the time, and standing up for a part of the time. He usually stands the whole time, right? Just for context. He usually stands in the whole time and sometimes would pick up kids from the crowd, etc. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, he's no longer in that condition. Mm-hmm. He was obviously enjoying going around. I mean, he, he, he draws energy from the crowds and they draw inspiration from him. And mm-hmm. there was an enormous joy that we haven't seen for two years since the beginning of the pandemic, way back in February 2020. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen such an event in St. Peter's Square. It's a relief to hear that after he had to be seated on the Pope Mobile the whole time in Malta, that he was able to stand up a little bit. Last week, you you drew a comparison with John Paul II in saying that some of these Vatican ceremonies have to be tailored. Like you mentioned, he arrived at the altar in a car instead of walking up uh, because they just have to make these adaptations for limited mobility. But I think as soon as you mentioned John Paul II, it raises you know alarms for people because we all watched him decline so slowly. So I want to ask you just the straightforward question here, which is, is Francis going to get better from this? Francis himself said, more or less, the uh, jury is still out on how his his improvement. But he's not in the stage that we saw John Paul too. It's, it's, it's not a real comparison. My understanding is that they're still trying to figure out what it even is with his knee, right? Well, there are a lot of people speculating on, on what's going on. But obviously, he will be taking medical advice on how best to deal with his situation. But one thing is very clear. He is really energized when he speaks. And he reaches people because the language is not complicated. People understand. He's giving a beautiful gospel message, a real deep one. And you can see that it has come from his own pen. And uh, having listened to him over many, many years now, I can detect what is a, a script that has been mainly drafted by someone else and he's put finishing touches to it and what is really coming from Francis. Yeah. So even, I mean, emotionally putting all that work into into writing, mentally, but also physically, this week is going to be really taxing. There are eight major events in the next few days as part of Holy Week. So after the break, we'll take a look at what's coming up this week and what surprises Pope Francis might have in store. Stay with us. Is the Spirit moving within you, leading you to discover your unique mission in the world? At the Franciscan School of Theology at the University of San Diego, you will engage wholeheartedly in your faith journey and discover your unique role in caring for our world and the Catholic Church with rigorous master's programs led by world-class scholars. FST offers courses and lectures that dive deep into the heart of Franciscan spirituality, theology, and social thought integrating the Catholic faith and the Franciscan vision of civic life and church leadership. Learn to put theology to work in the world at FST. Visit fst.edu for more information and to start your application today. (laughs) 
So let's take a look at the Pope's plans for Holy Week. By the time our listeners are hearing this on Holy Thursday, Pope Francis will have already presided at the Chrism Mass in St. Peter's Basilica. That's that Mass on Holy Thursday morning where all the priests in a diocese come and attend Mass that's celebrated by their bishop, and they bless the oils that are going to be used in the baptisms and the confirmations during the Easter Vigil first and then throughout the year. But Thursday night is where the big question mark for the Pope comes in. Maybe we could talk about what, what the Pope usually does for Holy Thursday. Well, he's done various things over these years. What he hasn't done, put it this way, is he hasn't simply stayed in the basilica and done uh, the ritual as was in the ceremonial books of the past. Hmm. Not even in 2020 when everything was locked down? That was different because he was by himself in the basilica with less than 100 people. So it was uh, it was an unusual experience. Right. It's really small. The pandemic kind of scuttled his normal trajectory. This year, he's back more to normal, but with certain limitations, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So how do these limitations fit in? You know, we've often seen the Pope go to like a prison or a refugee center in a normal year, um, but presumably he won't be doing anything too physically strenuous, right? So I don't know. Any any guesses? I know you don't like to speculate on the air. I won't speculate, but this is a Pope of surprises. He said God is a God of surprises, but we've got a Pope of surprises. I wouldn't speculate what he might do. I have some one or two ideas in my head. We have to wait and see, and we'll talk about that next week. Yes, and for our listeners, since they'll be hearing this probably on Holy Thursday, uh, you can check americamagazine.org to find out what the Pope does. All right, let's move on to Good Friday. Uh, the Pope has two events on Good Friday. He first has the Passion Liturgy, and then he has the Stations of the Cross at the Colosseum. How demanding will each of those be on the Pope? Well, of course, I think what everybody will be looking for at, on the Passion Liturgy, which is in the afternoon of Good Friday, is uh, normally the Pope stretches out on the floor. It's at the beginning of the ceremony. But it's it's an act of adoration, humiliation. Uh, this year, I don't know if, if he will, in fact, be able to do this because given his physical condition. But in that Good Friday liturgy, he will lead the prayers, etc. And then the, the homily is given by the Franciscan, now Cardinal, preacher of the papal household, Raniero Cantalamessa. Mm -hmm. I would not be at all surprised if he doesn't zone in on the question of war and peace. So in terms of the Pope, probably not super physically demanding on that, that Friday afternoon. In the evening, he will drive to the Colosseum and he will be driven up to the hill overlooking the Colosseum. And he will watch the stations of the Way of the Cross, where people, families, representatives of families will carry the cross and at the end he will say something probably. Yeah, we should say this is pretty interesting for our listeners who might not be familiar. Every year when they do the Stations of the Cross at the Colosseum, they have a different person or group write the reflections. So I think last year it was the reflections of children looking out at kind of the world's struggles and commemorating a different one at each uh, at each station, but it was it was through the eyes of children. This year, it's through the eyes of families, which is another of Pope Francis' efforts to bring more attention to this Amoris Laetitia year of the family that he declared. And one of the stations is going to be on a Ukrainian-Russian family, right? Yes, the, the reflections really are touching the lives of ordinary people, the different difficulties they're facing, 
sometimes in a family because of illness, because of breakup of marriage, be, because there's a, an elderly couple who've had no children, others who have taken and become foster parents to many children. So you, you've got a variety of family types. And then on the 13th station, you have a Russian family and a Ukrainian family, and they will carry the cross, the two of them. This is a message to the world that the gospel is meant to bridge the differences, bring people together, and it, there's the struggle to find how we can make peace and how we can find hope in a world where everything is collapsing around us and we're living our own Golgotha. Well, and, and this is so like resonant for this Russian and Ukrainian families um, that they're doing the 13th station, which is Jesus is taken down from the cross because so many families just like them have, have lost loved ones and are having to deal with you know, either trying to recover their bodies or trying to find a place to bury them. The, the message is that, you know, you don't move ahead by excluding the Russians. Which is a powerful message. It's a powerful message. And probably an unpopular one right now. But also the message is that they are brothers and sisters. And in, in reality, we know that there are many in the Ukraine who are married to, who have family members in Russia and vice versa. Right. And so you have this intermarriage between the two peoples. But in in the in the heat of war, you, you get the really clear-cut divisions, them and us. Mm-hmm. And so the separation. And and the, the gospel is about trying to build the unity of the human family and reminding that people are all members of the one family. It's the message that Francis gave in, in Fratelli Tutti. Let's talk about the Easter vigil. Thankfully, there is an Easter at the end of all of this. This is a long mass. So what are the question marks for the Pope in terms of mobility? Well, obviously, if he does the blessing of the fire and the lighting of the new Paschal candle, then he will have to walk up the center aisle to the to the top of the basilica to the main altar. Which is a long way. It's 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 a long way, but I th- I think he's up to that. I don't think that will be a difficulty because it doesn't involve many steps. He's also delivering the the homily that day. There are three events basically. There's the vigil, there's the morning mass, and then there's the blessing and message, urbi et orbi, to the people of Rome, urbi. And Orbi is to the world. And this is obviously going to be an important message. Really, the Easter Vigil, it's it's usually a a deep reflection on the resurrection of Christ and what this means. The morning Mass, he doesn't preach at that. Then he gives the message to the world and to the city of Rome. And I think everybody will be watching what he will say. Clearly, he will be calling for peace calling for an end to the fighting, calling for negotiation. And he, he will also be reminding the world that that's one war, and it's it's the dominant war right now, but it's not the only war. So he will talk about what's happening in other parts of the world, and of course the climate change as well. He's surely going to say something like that, which is also creating disaster. The Urbi et Orbi often ends up being sort of a litany of the, the many things that the Pope is following and, and praying for peace in. It's, it, it's obvious that it, that it will be a message of peace and resurrection, but it will be a call to make peace. 
All right, Jerry, so this is going to be a, a really busy, heavy week. The Pope is going to probably be delivering some very forceful messages about the war in Ukraine. So thank you for taking some time to give us a preview of, of what's coming. Thank you, Colleen, and hope a very peaceful and prayerful week for our listeners and that they pray for peace and an end to this war. And I hope you get to enjoy the, uh, the special Easter joy that will come from having Elizabeth at home. Thank you. Our listeners can find all of America's news about Holy Week in the Vatican, along with devotional content like our Imagine podcast and daily Lenten reflections at americamagazine.org. And a few quick headlines before we go. Last week, the Vatican confirmed reports that Pope Francis plans to visit Lebanon in June. Reuters also reported that the Pope may be stopping in Jerusalem during that trip for a meeting with Russian Orthodox Patriarch Kirill. Also this week, Pope Francis said he hoped to visit Kazakhstan in September for a Congress of Leaders of World and Traditional Religions. And finally, Ambassador Joe Donnelly, the ambassador from the United States to the Holy See, has officially taken his post. He presented his diplomatic credentials to Pope Francis on Monday. For more on all those stories, visit americamagazine.org or click the links in our show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Ricardo da Silva. Production assistance from Robert Balliser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's Inside Without the Second I, Vatican Pod. Please support our work on Inside the Vatican by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time.